Chapter Twenty Nine of the Headless Horseman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Cornwall. The Headless Horseman: A Strange Tale of Texas by Maine Reed. Chapter Twenty Nine: El Coyote at Home. Calhoun took his departure from the breakfast table almost as abruptly as his cousin, but on leaving the sala, instead of returning to his own chamber, he sallied forth from the house. Still suffering from wounds but half healed, he was nevertheless sufficiently convalescent to go abroad, into the garden, to the stables, the corrals, anywhere around the house. On the present occasion, his excursion was intended to conduct him to a more distant point. As if under the stimulus of what had turned up the, in the conversation, or perhaps by the contents of the letter that had been read, his feebleness seemed for the time to have forsaken him, and vigorously plying his crutch, he proceeded up the river in the direction of Fort Ayn. In a barren tract of land that lay about halfway between the hacienda and the fort, and that did not appear to belong to any one, he arrived at the terminus of his limping expedition. There was a grove of mesquite with some larger trees shading it, and in the midst of this a rude hovel of wattle and daub, known in southwestern Texas as a jacale. It was the domicile of Miguel Diaz, the Mexican mustanger, a lair appropriate to the semi-savage who had earned for himself the distinctive appellation of El Coyote or the Prairie Wolf. It was not always that the wolf would be found in his den for his jacalates deserved no better description. It was but his occasional sleeping-place, during those intervals of inactivity, when, by the disposal of a drove of captured mustangs, he could afford to stay for a time within the limits of the settlement, indulging in such gross pleasures as his proximity afforded. Calhoun was fortunate in finding him at home, though not quite so fortunate as to find him in a state of sobriety. He was not exactly intoxicated, having, after a prolonged spell of sleep, partially recovered from this, the habitual condition of his existence. Alnor, he explained in his provincial patois, slurring the salutation as his visitor darkened the door of the jacale. Per Dios, who'd have expected to see you? Cynthias, be seated. Take a chair. There's one, a chair. Ha, ha, ha. The laugh was called up at contemplation of that which he had facetiously termed a chair. It was the skull of a mustang, intending to serve as such, and which, with another similar piece, a rude table of cleft yucca tree, and a couch of cane reeds, upon which the owner of the jacale was reclining, constituted the sole furniture of Miguel Diaz's dwelling. Calhoun, fatigued with his halting promenade, accepted the invitation of his host, and sat down upon the horse skull. He did not permit much time to pass before entering upon the object of his errand. "'Señor Diaz,' said he, "'I have come for—' "'Señor Americano,' explained the half-drunken horse-hunter, cutting short the exclamation. "'Why waste words upon that, Carambo? I knew well enough for what you've come. You want me to wipe out that devilish Irlandes. "'Well, well, I promised you I would do it for five hundred pesos.' At the proper time and opportunity, I will. Miguel Diaz never played a false to his promise. But the time's not come, nor Capitan, nor yet the opportunity, Carajol. To kill a man outright requires skill, 
It can't be done, even on the prairies, without danger of detection. And if detected, ha, what chance for me? You forget, nor Capitan, that I'm a Mexican. If I were of your people, I might slay Don Maruccio, and get clear on the score of its being a quarrel. Maldita, with us Mexicans it is different. If we stick out our machete into a man, so as to let out his life's blood, it is called murder, and you Americanos, with your stupid juries of twelve honest men, would pronounce it so. Ay, and hang a poor fellow for it. Shingero, I can't risk that. I hate the Irlandes as much as you, but I'm not going to chop off my nose to spite my own face. I must wait for the time and the chance, Caraya, the time and the chance. Both are come, exclaimed the tempter, bending earnestly toward the bravo. You said you could easily do it if there was any Indian trouble going on. Of course I said so. If there was that, you have not heard the news, then. What news? That the Comanches are starting on the war trail. Carajo, explained El Coyote, bringing up from his couch of reeds, and exhibiting all the activity of his namesake when roused by the scent of prey. Santissima Virgin, do you speak the truth, nor Capitan? Neither more nor less. The news has just reached the fort. I have it on the best authority, the officer in command. In that case, answered the Mexican, reflecting, in that case, Don Mauricio may die. The Comanches can kill him. Ha, ha, ha! You're sure of it. I should be sure if his scalp were worth a thousand dollars instead of five hundred. It is worth that sum. What sum? A thousand dollars. You promise it? I do. Then the Comanches shall scalp him, nor Capitan. You may return to Casa del Corvo and go to sleep with confidence that whenever the opportunity arrives, your enemy will lose his hair. You understand? I do. Get ready your thousand pesos. They wait your acceptance. Carajo, I shall learn them in a trice. Adios, adios. Santissima Virgin, explained the profane ruffian, as his visitor limped out of sight. What a magnificent fluke of fortune. A perfect sherpe. A thousand dollars for killing the man I intended to kill on my own account, without charging anybody a single claco for the deed. The Comanches upon the war trail. Shingero, can it be true? If so, I must look up my old disguise, gone to neglect through these three long years of accursed peace. Viva la guerra de los indios! Success to the pantomime of the prairies! End of chapter 29 Recording by Rick Cornwall